0: Right. Cool. Pumped. Okay, welcome back to the QW podcast. This is episode eight, and I'm super excited for our guest today. Do you wanna introduce yourself?
1: Yeah, hey everyone. I'm Ben Friedman. I do stand up comedy and I live here in Boise. Welcome. Thanks, Thanks for being here. Yeah, I'm pumped, man. I'm excited.
0: How long have you been in comedy?
1: So I was just thinking about this the other day. My mm-hmm. wife asked me, I started I did my first open mics at my high school's talent show they had like a monthly talent show and the first time I ever did it was there and I think I didn't get a single laugh and it was really awkward
0: just bomb the whole time yeah for sure um
1: but it was like I I mean I went up there like so confidently I was like this is gonna be so funny and then nope very few laughs if any um I went a couple more times my senior year to the local comedy club I'm from Ankeny, Iowa, which is right outside Des Moines, Iowa, which is basically right in the middle of Iowa, if you don't know what either of those towns are. and uh, That was really cool, and once again, didn't get very many laughs, but I was still pretty interested in it. I went to college, and there was no open mics in the town that I was in, and then my second semester, freshman year, I heard about some guys in the scene starting up a comedy open mic, and uh, met them, and it was at this really crappy bar in downtown Dubuque, Iowa, and uh, that I was definitely underage, and they didn't care, and I was just there doing stand-up once a week, basically, to like the three other guys that were interested in doing stand-up. <laughs> That's pretty cool. Where did you go to college? Loris College. A little tiny school, uh, northeast Iowa. It's got about 1,500 students. It's
0: pretty small. Okay. But, yeah. So the comedy scene was not big. No. no, (laughs) Literally, it was cool to
1: be on the ground floor of it in a lot of ways. Um, And yeah, but consistently did one mic a week for, I mean, basically uh, however long I was at school. So when I went home for breaks, I would try and go to an open mic or two in central Iowa. But for the most part, it was once a week, every week in Dubuque. And uh, got to know those guys really well over four years. And uh, things... My comedy got a lot better, too. I mean, after yeah. a, lot, a lot of bombing, a lot of struggling to figure out how do I get what's funny in my head across to
0: people? Like, yeah.
1: that's the big question with stand-up is you think something's funny, but how do you get other people to get on board with what you think is funny? That makes sense.
0: Yeah. How long do you think you're doing comedy before you were like, okay, I'm starting to like get comfortable and get some laughs? Mm,
1: that's interesting. Maybe, like, my sophomore year. So, like, two years into comedy. Oh, wow. I, okay. Yeah. Like, when I was, like, I could look back at old jokes and be like, what, what was I doing? Like, what was I <laughs> writing? Like, that's not funny. Just, or really, like, corny. A lot of corny stuff that I thought was funny. And then I was starting to build, like, in comedy, if you if you have a goal of doing like a bigger set, you kind of start to build a set. So I could, I could count on jokes that could work every time. So I was my second year in comedy. I probably had a solid five minutes that I could rely on, you know, Mm -hmm. and those five minutes I'm still in my, I was still in my second year. So those five minutes weren't even like, they weren't going to hit every time, but I was confident enough that I could do them. right. Um, And then that just kept building and building and building. And then my, Third year in comedy, I was up to about a half hour, so I kind of, there was something in my, the second year where I kind of got the hang of it a little bit more.
0: Okay.
1: I was up to a half hour, and then my fourth year, which is my senior year of school, I was up to probably 45 minutes, and I did a show where I did 45 minutes, which was really cool. That's I mean,
0: actually a long time. It's a really long time,
1: and to be on stage for that long is just kind of surreal. Like, it, you feel like you're up there forever, and... Yeah. Um... You have to, I mean, I was trying to be as clean and professional as possible. So, would, you know, memorize 45 minutes and down to pretty much every word, you know, and trying to get the pacing right. Cause that's so much of comedy. Yeah. Um, so, and then the year after, or my senior year of college was 2020. So that's when COVID hit and with COVID and then like all the mics stopped for a long time. And then I was moving and graduating and starting a new job and I'd, didn't have a lot of time, and I didn't do comedy for a couple of years, and then I got back into it once my wife and I moved to Boise. So um, August or September of twenty twenty two was when I started to get back into the once a week swing of things. Yeah, so that's kind of my comedy journey, a, at a bird's eye
0: view. Why do you think you started like at those talent shows? What made you? Yeah, I am going to do comedy for these kids.
1: Yeah, a couple of things. First, I would just listen to a lot of stand up. I just thought it was. Really fun. Like, I I appreciated how simple it is. Like, it's such a simple goal. You go on stage, you try to get people to laugh. Right. And there's a million ways you can do that. And I would listen to comedians, and I think some of my first favorite comedians were, like, Jim Gaffigan, mm-hmm. um, who's just kind of, like, your everyday funny guy. I mean, he's got just a lot of clean material that's pretty good and solid. Um, I listened to Jerry Seinfeld and thought he was – I'd never seen Seinfeld, but I listened to a lot of Seinfeld. Okay. A lot of his stand up and thought it was hilarious. John Mullaney, his early stuff yeah. was great. And his later stuff's great too. But those are like three guys I'd listen to and be like, I can I just had the thought of I can do this. Like
0: mm-hmm.
1: and I think it's good to have that confidence, even if you aren't very good at it yet. Like <laughs> make you kinda Yeah, it. exactly. Right. And um, I was like, I think I can do this. Like I want to try to write some of my own jokes. Mm-hmm. At the same time, my siblings had gotten my dad a book um like as a gag gift that was about how to be funny and it was written by a guy who's from central iowa who wrote a book basically about how to do stand up and it was kind of a small little handbook almost and it kind of took you through like different uh workshops kind of of you know coming up with premises then coming up with like punchlines to those premises and how to Form a set, and I just read it kind of absentmindedly, just kind of nothing around to do. And I read it, and uh, so the collision of those two things at the same time—like reading that book and thinking, like listening to all the stand-up and thinking I could do this—I was like, "Well, let's make it happen." So,
0: um, John Mulaney's great, dude. He's
1: he's the bomb. He and really is. His early stuff, I think, is so good because you you listen to it, and he's so polished, and he talks so. Slowly, like mm-hmm. it's really interesting if you listen to it back, like it's kind of hard to pick up on, but he, like, you don't think about it right away. But if you listen to it, he talks so slowly and he's so in control of every single word that he's saying, which is such a polished thing to do. You um, think he's
0: slow on purpose because it helps him just with timing?
1: Yes, absolutely. And if you can control each word and each moment of your set, then you've got the crowd engaged for every moment at your set, so. Um, I would listen to those, and I would just get locked in. I, I could, I could. At one point in time, I could do the Salt and Pepper Diner bit that he oh, has, yeah. from I think his first album. I could do it word for word, like I had memorized it because I had listened to that album so much. That's pretty cool. Yeah. How do you? How fun. did you listen to him? Um, I think <laughs> Pandora Radio. At oh, first, oh, yeah, which, that's when I
0: started dude, listening to comedy. Yeah,
1: yeah. which. Uh, God bless Pandora Radio, man. I don't know if it's even still around. It's got to be. (laughs) Probably
0: not. We used to really like Jim Gaffigan. Mm -hmm. And then, like, as you listen to, like, each special individually is fantastic, but it's kind of the same special every time. Right, right. That's how I
1: feel about him, too. Like, I don't dislike him at all but i think that it gets a little bit old if you keep listening to this same stuff like
0: it's jokes about him being fat and food
1: yeah (laughs) and he does that that thing where he like does that high-pitched voice like talks to himself you know um
0: like an alter ego
1: yeah which is great and it's hilarious and like it's that's his that's one of his main things but Mm -hmm. after a while you kind of get it and i just haven't listened to him in a long time because i've I've tried, I've tried listening to an album of his recently, and I was just like, it's good, but it's just nothing new for me, and I couldn't enjoy it as much, but yeah. I still respect him so much, and he got me into comedy, so,
0: yeah. Who do you listen to now? Who are you liking now? Yeah. Okay, Mike Birbiglia is my favorite comedian. He's probably my favorite of all time. He's the one that has, he's got, like, he sets up the joke, and then it's like a one-liner, like a punchline and then it kind of goes to the next top. I feel like it's kind of choppy, but that's his thing. Maybe. Uh, maybe. There... I think that's him. What's cool about him, especially, I think,
1: is because he's he's evolved his comedy a ton. So his early stuff was very traditional. I thought it was very similar in style to, like, John Belaney. And then he started to develop almost, like, one-man shows. Like, he almost combines theater and comedy. And my favorite special of all time is My Girlfriend's Boyfriend, which is a great title in and of itself. I have this soapbox thing about how comedians are really bad at titling their specials and no one has any idea <laughs> what they're about. But My Girlfriend's Boyfriend is a great, hilarious title because you're already intrigued. What does that even mean? Mm. And uh, the whole comedy special is about him going from uh, never believing in marriage and then he at the very end he talks about how he got married and he walks through his whole love life. And it's this one long story, but he kind of jumps back to like – Junior high prom, and he jumps back to his first kiss and his first girlfriend, and he kind of keeps coming back to the main theme. So it's crazy. It's it is unbelievable how polished it is. And I remember seeing someone one time on Instagram post like a like a, they almost like charted his my girlfriend's boyfriend's set and kind of made like a graph out of like when he starts talking to, when he's on the main storyline and then when does he jump over oh. here and he comes back. It was just really wild. Like you could. To visually see how much time and effort he put into, like, organizing that set was really neat. Yeah.
0: Because, yeah, the only comedian that I can think of, really, that can tell a story with the set is Dave Chappelle. Yes, right. He can do whatever he wants, so that doesn't even really count. Right. (laughs) Yes, right. (laughs) He could go on stage with no material and kill for an hour.
1: He's crazy. And he's got so much lore around him. Mm -hmm. Such a... I mean, everything with the Chappelle show and how far he's come... He's got an unbelievable trajectory and a character arc.
0: <laughs> yeah. Um, He's kind of become his own biggest fan, though. It's kind of weird. Yeah, that right. just happened. In, I feel like it just happened in, like, two or three years where suddenly he, like, I don't know. Yeah, Not that he hasn't earned the right to be
1: arrogant, but... Yeah. Yeah. But he kind of did this thing that a lot of, like... I've heard this kind of theory about a lot of top artists in their field can then kind of, like... You kind of do whatever you want and you're within, like, you're almost just competing with yourself at that point. Like, Taylor Swift could do whatever she wants at this point because there's no one that's matching her. Kanye, who's, you know, tricky to talk about right now. Poor Kanye. Poor Kanye. (laughs) Poor, oh gosh, I don't know. But let's jump back before (laughs) his comments. You know, he can do whatever he wants. (laughs) He's competing against himself at this point. And I think that Dave Chappelle is in that same boat. Like, he can do whatever he wants. And he's not trying to fit in. You know, he's just gonna say whatever he wants, which is a certain characteristic that people really like about him, so.
0: Yeah. Did you watch The Closer? No, I didn't. okay. Uh, you have to. Okay. Yeah, it's pretty It's. I mean, it's Chappelle, right? So it's gonna yeah. be solid, but that's the the first one that came to mind when you said, like, um, about Mike telling the story with the set. Yeah. It's was like, that was kind of the closer where he goes down this timeline of all the jokes that he's told and Kind of ends, like, with his, his current thoughts.
1: So. That's really cool. I saw the ones, the most memorable ones, at least, where the he, like, released two specials, like, back-to-back, and I forget what they're called, but one of them was, like, kind of a polished set, and then one of them was, like, very... I think he did, like, a drop-in set oh, somewhere, and did, like,
0: an hour. It was... Was it Sticks and Stones, and then... I can't remember what the other one was called. For some reason, I thought one of them involved a bird, something about bird. I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> I need a I need a third I talk about this every yeah. single podcast, but I need a third person like the fact checker. Yeah. But that's gonna be that's gonna be my friend Griffin and uh nice. he's, he's in the Air Force for like I think maybe another year and a half or so. Oh geez. So we're getting close, but this yes. is the perfect time where I could be like Griffin, what were those <laughs> specials called? You need a list
1: of stuff that you'll have to fact check in a year and a half. Right. Yeah.
0: <laughs> so after you do, do you have someone record your set and then you go and watch it when you're done? So I, re- I personally record all my sets okay. and I I set up my iPhone. I have a little
1: tripod I got for 20 bucks off Amazon and I just find a place in the room and I record it and it is immensely helpful to yeah. watch it back because you, you see yourself do things that you think that like, oh, I never knew that I like wasn't smiling as much as I want to or something. I think okay. like likability and being comfortable on stage is such a big part of stand up and even smile. Like that's just who I am. I'm a pretty smiley guy. I like to be friendly and I, I want that to come across in my comedy. So I'm like, why was I so serious in this set? Like I want to work on smiling more next time. And you you don't process that when you're on stage. Cause at least for me, I'm just trying to remember my jokes I'm Yeah, trying to play off the crowd a little bit, but, um, so I always record myself, and I upload it to YouTube, and I just watch it back later, which is always a very difficult experience because you're watching yourself, and it's very vulnerable. Um, so I've got hours and hours and hours of stuff on YouTube that's unlisted, just all for me, or I'll send it to my brother or some friends sometimes, but um, yeah, because I want to watch it back and learn.
0: You know. Yeah. Yeah, That's that's been the hardest part of the podcast so far is getting myself to listen to it. Yes. But I had... Um... Adam Bridges on and he's got a podcast and I texted him after and I was like, do you listen to yours? And he's like, yeah, I hate it, but you kind of have to. Right. But you do pick up on things like yeah. um, I found that when the other person was talking, I was saying yeah mm-hmm. like way too much. Right. But he said that's pretty normal too, where you find that you just you repeat things. but Yeah. So that's that's helped in podcasting too, but yeah. it is hard.
1: Yeah. And I've almost used my sets that I record as like archives I can go back and refer to. So like I have notes on my phone of every single set that I do. And, and you know, little, every comedian has this, but, like, I'll have little taglines for my jokes. So, like, I'll write set list, Mad Swede, which is the place here in Boise that I go to every Thursday for open mics. And I'll write, you know, my, I have a joke about texting. So, it's texting, and then it's uh, tattoos, and then it's t-shirt canon, and it's uh, all T's. I know one of my sets recently was like all teased, and I was like that's great (laughs) but not on purpose um and then so if I I can I have these lists on my phone if I ever want to like go watch me perform that bit I can go to my phone my notes I can type in tattoo when did I perform that oh February 2nd and I go to my YouTube and I find my set from February 2nd and I watch it back and you know, you could keep your videos on your phone. I just don't have enough room, so I just put them on YouTube. But yeah. it's really helpful because I can go back and see, how did I say this? What was the crowd reaction? Um, did how? What was the laugh laughometer? How many laughs did I get? I don't know what to call it. Just like on a scale of amazing joke to nothing at all. How did it do? And what can I do differently for next time? So I love that revision of it because you're constantly working on it and you don't no one knows about it. I love you're kinda of like trying to get something new every time you're on stage and I I just really enjoy that kind yeah. of creative process.
0: That's pretty that's interesting. That's a good idea that to just throw it on YouTube. Yeah. Do you when you do a set, do you want every joke to kill, or do you want some of them to just have like a little laugh to keep people engaged?
1: Yeah. That's a great question. I think it's context dependent. So if you're doing a longer set and it's 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 kind of you want you want every joke to kill as much as possible. I mean, almost every time you do comedy, if you're trying to do comedy with more of like a point or an opinion or something, like you watch Chappelle and he's not getting laughs every single second he's on stage. He's 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 got at least the specials I've seen. He's preaching some sort of message. He's trying sure. to get something across. Mm-hmm. So it's not die die laughing hilarious, you know. And that's not that would be that would be not helpful for his main goal. So, um, but that's a very specific kind of comedy where you're trying to also give some sort of food for thought. So and he's at a point where he doesn't have to get the laughs. Right. Might be a bad example. Right. To use Chappelle. Yeah. But someone like Mike Birbiglia, who's not at, you know, God tier, like Dave Chappelle, at least not yet. Mm-hmm. He's, he's telling a big story. So he's bringing you on an emotional roller coaster too. So he's not trying to get laughs every second. He's trying to, Get you get you engaged and then like pull you in and let you go and um, get you thinking and I appreciate that. So most kind of times though, like ninety five percent of the time, I would say you're trying to you know get your jokes to hit really hard okay. every time. And
0: I think Kevin Hart's kind of like that. He tries to get every joke to kill. Yeah, yeah. If
1: anyone's ever
0: if you've got like
1: a a taste for some darker comedy um, and you want to hear a master of I'm going to tell you the setup, and then I'm going to tell you the punchline.
0: Anthony Jesselmick. That's who I was thinking of. <laughs> okay. Yes. <laughs> okay. There you go. <laughs> yeah. No, yeah. he just sets it up and then kills it, and then yeah. he goes to the next joke. He is
1: the most segmented comedian I've ever seen. Like, Yeah. Sometimes his premises are pretty lengthy, and he, then he delivers a killer punchline, and then people laugh for like 20 seconds straight. And then he takes like a big pause, and then it's on to the next joke. <laughs> yeah,
0: you could he just as a list of jokes to go through. <laughs> yeah,
1: it would not be hard to like write down his set list if you listen to an, his album because he's so just one joke at a time, like yeah. gonna go through
0: it. But it's so unpredictable. Yeah, yeah. no matter how many times I listen to, him, I have no idea what the punchlines. Gonna yes,
1: be. that's the bet He he has a great uh, interview somewhere or something where he talked about how he writes comedy and he he talks about like doing the third punchline He so he'll write a premise and then what's my what's the expected punchline and then what's the unexpected punchline and then he tries to write the punchline after that so like he's almost trying to get you so off guard with whatever he's gonna say which makes for a killer joke i mean that's kind of the foundation of jokes in some regard it's it's that uh, works
0: really well if you have three killer (laughs) punchlines yeah right that's right too yeah (laughs) that's funny yeah that's crazy, though. So it kind of just depends on the comedian whether or not you want... Because some, someone like him, you have to have every joke kill Because yeah. there's no, like, bigger picture. Right. Yeah. What do you think of Kevin Hart? Do you like his stand-up? I, I get... He's kind
1: of in the same boat as, like, Jim Gaffigan for me. Where I, like, I get his shtick by now. Mm-hmm. You know, he's going to be the super energetic guy. And he's just going at a million miles an hour. And a lot of, like, memes are going to come out of it, you know? Yeah. Um, and... I I also feel like I haven't seen a lot of his stand up cuz he's almost become so much of a pop culture icon now. Right. Like he's almost become like Snoop Dogg where he took all of his like art and That's turned a good it into parallel. made yeah. it so commercialized and which is great, you know, get that money, but Yeah, put yeah. on him. Yeah.
0: Yeah, I like him a lot in like movies and stuff, but his stand up is kind of
1: yeah, kinda eh. yeah, it'd be so cool to see him do something new and like whether he tells a really heartfelt or meaningful story or something. But I just feel like every time I see Kevin Hart on a commercial or anything, like it's, it's always the overly
0: dramatized character, you know, that's, right. that's always his thing. So do you think, so if Kevin Hart's like this energetic guy and Chappelle's this great storyteller and we've talked about some other ones, but do you think yeah. you've found your niche? I don't think I have yet. And I
1: am appreciative of that, but I also wish that I kind of did know my, my niche. Um, I would love to be able to do a – I think ideally I would love to do like a storyteller, like Mike Birbiglia type bit because that was so – that special to me is so funny but it's also so like heartfelt and meaningful and I walked away being like really like, wow, I, I learned something new or it was cool to see this guy like learn about how he changed his opinion on something. Like it was just really impactful and I want to do that with my comedy but um, – That just takes a long time, and you first of all need a good enough story to tell, and you also need to practice in settings where you can, like, kind of be working that out. Like, you need to be able to go to open mics where you're doing 10 or 15 minutes, and that's not something that a lot of open mics are able to do because there's just too many people that sign up. Like, the Thursday mic I go to has three-minute sets, which is great for getting quick, punchy jokes in and working on new stuff that's really quick, but yeah you can't you can't work on a long bit there because you can't learn anything
0: that makes sense yeah do you think the do you find the other comedians to be pretty
1: helpful i am still trying to get to know some of the comedians here in Boise better um i wish that like it was easier to get to know them or something like i think a lot of even not just in Boise, but in communities that I've been in, it's like, you've got the people who've been doing open mics for 10 years, you know, <laughs> who've been there just since day one. So they see the new people come and go all the time. So it's harder. They're, they're probably not as invested in trying to get the new people to stick around. Cause they're like, these people are going to leave here anytime, you know, it's just, yeah. um, so it's hard. I try to, when I'm there at mics, I try to be in places where I can hopefully talk to people or, um, or I'm working on that more. I want people to come up to me and feel comfortable to say, Hey, I thought of a tag for your joke, like something that could be helpful. Oh, that'd be cool. Yeah. Cause that, that's really nice when that happens. Like it, it it's pretty easy to not be a jerk about that and be mm-hmm. like, just genuinely like, Hey, I thought of an idea that if you wanted to work on it um, and uh, it's cool. So when I see new people, at open mics, and I I like their stuff. I try and make an effort to go say hi to them because I want them to, I want them to feel welcomed and included, and that they should be coming back because uh, that's just how you get better and better, and it's more fun when you keep coming back. So
0: yeah, is this something you want to make a career out of, or do you think it's more of like a hobby? I
1: think that it's I I, I don't I would love to be able to make some money from it, but I think if you get into stand up with the goal of making money, you are just like so naive and ignorant and you're never gonna like make enough money to support yourself like you have to have a huge heart for it and you have to really grind um i mean if you there's so many stories of people who move to like los angeles or new york and they go to mics every single night of the week at least one mic a night like i think um nate Bargazzi is a comedian i love and he i think there are stories of him going to mics every night of the week for like years, you know, before he was able to even get exposed to bigger opportunities. And now he's doing Netflix specials and he's killing it. But, um, yeah. So it's just really hard and you would have to, I'd have to give up a lot to be able to try and do that. And I love comedy, but it's not more important than other things I'm also really interested in that I want to keep pursuing too. So even stuff like a family, you know, like some of these comedians give up, so much personal life stuff that, and that's great. You know, it's what they're passionate. Comedy is what they're passionate about, but I also am passionate about other things too. So I, I don't see myself getting to a point where I'm going to be making enough money off comedy to yeah, sustain myself. So yeah.
0: it would be cool to make it worth it though. Yeah. Like right. that's, that's been kind of my thought on the podcast. It's yeah. like, I don't think that it'll ever get to a point where I'm like, I don't have to work anymore. Yeah. But if I could like, justify putting money into it by right. like, like at least breaking even would be nice yes
1: right that's that's kind of a, a cool benchmarking comedy is that i would start to get on shows before covid when i was you know every week for a while in the same scene i'd get to know people and then i would get on shows and they would at least pay you gas money to get to nice. and from the show so that's that was clutch so, so i would do i would do a show in the city that was like an hour and a half away and they'd pay me like you know Fifty bucks, which would cover my gas money, and I was like, "That's awesome!" Then Fine, you would we'll back to
0: Merit and be like, "We didn't lose money tonight. Right? <laughs> yes. Yeah, you broke even. So pretty cool. That's yeah. Funny. Do you um, do at the clubs you do. Do they have drink minimums? Nope.
1: Thankfully, at least I've never done open mics where they had drink minimums, which is really really nice if, if you have to pay to do open mic comedy i just think you're getting ripped off and that sucks and even if you have to show up if you're a, a guest and you have to show up to an open mic and pay for stuff that you like just to get in the door i think that kind of sucks so yeah thankfully i've never been able i've never been a part of mics that i had to pay to get in and uh
0: um, I'm, why do you have to pay if it's drink minimums
1: like i'm confused like drink minimums like are you talking like
0: what I like under- for the crowd, like to the, like don't some comedy clubs like require the crowd to have a couple drinks?
1: Yeah, yeah, okay. but not a sorry, not at
0: open mics is okay.
1: My so, I don't know if I've ever done a show. I think I've done one show at a Funny Bone, which is like a comedy club chain, and I think they have a drink minimum, but that's fair because it was like a show, like okay. I think they, they that's paid. You're saying. They paid to see people like legitimate comedians you know Mm -hmm. Um, but most of the times at least with like open mics I've been to I mean people are at a brewery or at a bar anyway so they're going to buy drinks and um, so that's how they
0: stay supported that way but yeah, where are you moving to I know you told me on Easter but
1: yeah my wife and I are moving back to Iowa Um, come late summer basically um, she's going to get a job in a school in central Iowa is the plan and I'll be working on my stuff there. So it's kind of fun because I would, you know, come home from school uh, and and come back to central Iowa during breaks and stuff and go to the open mics there. So I haven't been to an open mic there in a while, three or four years now. And uh, it'd be, be kind of interesting to see who's still around in Des Moines and who might remember me and make some new friends and connections there. So there's Something go. to
0: look forward to, yeah. Were the crowds there smaller than what you
1: get here? About the same. Okay. I, which is pretty good. I like Boise and Des Moines are about the same size, 250,000 ish. Oh, I didn't realize Des Moines was that big. Like, yeah. I've
0: been there, I think, and I didn't even know that. Either.
1: Yeah, Des Moines' great. Um, and they've got a big metro population, too, of I think just over a million or pretty close to it. And so, yeah, they have like, I think right now what I've seen, they have like two or three mics a week. And here in Boise, there's at least, at least three mics a week. And then More if you want to count like Nampa and Meridian and stuff, so
0: yeah, no one wants to go out to Nampa. I mean, people (laughs) do for comedy, man, they really do, which is wild to me. But, um, we saw Bill Burr in Nampa, really? Yeah, that's how was he? He killed, yeah, it was so fun. Yeah, no, he did a great job, but, um, he. He's, I mean, all the, like the top tier comedians are good yeah. at, kind of playing with the crowd, right? Yeah. But he was like genuinely shocked at how Republican it is here. Really? He was, Yeah, he was cracking himself up because <laughs> he, he had like a couple vaccine jokes loaded up. And then one of them, one of them got booze. Whoa. Like, people were like mad that he was making fun of people for not getting the COVID shot. And then he was like... <laughs> he said something about how he didn't know how white it was out here. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, he was, he was, it was pretty great because of how like genuine the shock was. Yeah. How different. Because I think he's in LA, right? Oh, I wish I knew. I probably,
1: I mean, probably. Yeah. But.
0: So yeah, coming from, from LA to Nampa, Idaho, would be, crazy. it would be a culture shock.
1: Yeah. <laughs> what, how did they, how did he react once people booed him?
0: He called him out. Yeah, he said something. I, I would figure. I can't remember exactly what he said. He said something like, "Holy fuck!" I didn't realize how white it is out here. <laughs> <laughs> he's like, "Man, you guys really are Republican."
1: <laughs> <laughs> Bill is Bill is amazing, and yeah. I need to watch more Bill Burr. But every time I've seen him, like, he's kind of got that same like, "I'm gonna say whatever I want," kind of like Chappelle. But mm-hmm. but Bill is really really smart and really good at like. Even if I completely disagree with you, I'm going to somehow, like, find some common ground or, like, get you to still laugh. Yeah. And it is, a, it is spectacular. Like, he's just such a genius when it comes to that.
0: And yeah, because most of, the, at least half my family... Two of the four don't uh-huh. think that the COVID shots should be, like, required. Uh-huh. But that was hilarious. We yes. were cracking up. <laughs> <laughs> but I was so excited to go to that because I listened to his podcast. Yeah. And listened to all his stand-up. And then he did a TV show, too, called uh, F is for Family. Okay. And, I mean, it's so funny. Yes, yeah. it's, it's like kind of family guy on steroids. Like it's more yes. inappropriate than family guy. But I was so excited and to watch him lead on the mic stand it was yeah. pretty cool. Yeah. He's, yeah. That's his that's his move.
1: Yeah. You ever seen the I was just talking to Marin about this the other day. Have you seen the it's kind of like a comedy lore thing. Have you seen the Philadelphia incident or whatever it's called? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. That is awesome.
0: I don't know the full story behind it, though, because in, in that bit, he was talking about how long he had been doing stand-up, like, in that set. Okay. Was he doing it, like, for forever before that happened?
1: I don't rem- I don't remember. I just remember how, like, listening to it is a wild experience. <laughs> it really is. So do you know it? Like, if yeah. you're the people that, for... The people listening to this, do you have a recap of it?
0: Uh yeah. So he was <laughs> <laughs> he was crapping on Philadelphia. I mean it went on for like ten minutes. Yeah, it was, it's a long, yeah. And then, um he was giving them trouble for stuff like, uh, They're so racist in Philadelphia, they have a real Hall of Fame boxer from there, but they still have a statue of Rocky who's not even a real person. Yeah. And then Honestly, the people in Philadelphia were laughing at most of the shit he was talking until Uh, it would come to the sports teams. And then once he crapped on the sports teams, they'd start booing him. (laughs) Yeah.
1: So it's been a while since I listened to it, but then he, like...
0: There's some stuff on there that I would not repeat.
1: Yes, right. But the best part is that he, like, comes back. Like, he... So they start, like, booing him. Mm -hmm. And he's, like... Then he flips it on them. He's, like he's you know gets he's cussing but he's just like screw you all screw you and he like he starts like doubling down on his like ins from what i remember he starts oh, like, sure. doubling down on his insults to them and somehow gets them to go from booing to laughing which is an unbelievable mastery of the- comedy and crowd management
0: yeah, it's crazy that's true. I think the, the joke that I remember that, like, started to turn that tide was he told them that he hopes they all get cancer because yes, they're all that's bald right. anyway. Yes, yes, yes,
1: <laughs> yes, He, like, starts, like, wishing, like, hell on them. <laughs> oh, yeah. man.
0: Oh, just the so most scary. horrible stuff you could think of is yeah.
1: wished upon them. Yeah. Oh, but it's an unbelievable, like, work of... <laughs>
0: <laughs> He's so know. gold.
1: Yeah. Crowd management. Yeah, just bringing a crowd back after you've completely lost them. Like, it's it's unbelievable.
0: Yeah. So, yeah, have you ever been able to do that? Like, obviously, I've oh, won bombs. Yeah. But have you ever, like, are you okay at recovering?
1: It's hard. It's really hard. Once you've lost the crowd, at least me personally, I find it very difficult to, like, figure out what to do to get them to come back in. Because you you even you have to do some sort of like drastic change is my best theory so far because even your voice in your your pattern of speaking if if you're if you have a pattern of speaking and they're not interested in it then they're just going to tune you out and then if you don't change your pattern of speaking then they're not interested in what you have to say because it's all just whatever at that point so (laughs) my best theory at this point is like if i'm starting to lose a crowd I need to have some sort of joke I can go to to, like, scream or yell or make some sort of loud noise or go silent for a few seconds and at least get the attention back on me and then try to, like, work them back into my stuff. Um, but, gosh, there are some crowds that you just – there's just no winning them back. Like, I've, I did a set a very – I'll, like, remember this for a long time. Like, I did a set – just a few years ago, like right before COVID of five minutes of jokes that like, I know work every single time I do them. Like I can always count on these jokes and, or even if like one of them doesn't work in the sequence, like I can, you know, the other ones will. And I did, I did a five minute opener set and like, they didn't laugh at the first joke, and then they didn't laugh at a single joke after that. Like, it was just, like, so quiet in that room, and it was so funny <laughs> to me. <laughs> but I was like, in my head, I was like, I just got to get off this stage. Like, I just, <laughs> there's, there's, I don't know what you guys want from me, but whatever I'm doing for you is not it, and I am so sorry, but. I am, I, I think I was supposed to do five minutes and I did like four and I was just like, I just got to get out of here. You
0: know, like, yeah, at least when you do, when you only have five minutes and you bomb, it's like not that. big <laughs> yeah, deal. Yeah. Which is a side note.
1: My favorite thing about the mic here on Thursdays is because it's only three minutes, three minute sets. If you're watching someone and you're like, this person is just sucking like, or it's just like, this is not funny. You only have to bear with it for three minutes before some hope. <laughs> yeah. Then the next person goes up, then you you might laugh. That's um, funny. It's a great mic to go to. If anyone listens to this in Boise or in the surrounding area, you should go to Mad Sweet Brew Hall downtown on Thursdays. There you go. A little shout out. Yeah.
0: <laughs> is it hard for you to watch other comedians bomb? Like, do you get uncomfortable when someone is not doing well? Kinda.
1: It's like a feeling of, like, your soul leaving your body a little bit. <laughs> it's like, uh...
0: I don't know. Or is is there a little part of you that's like, let's go, they're going to suck, and I'm going to be okay. (laughs) I I do get weird about that, where,
1: like, so watching someone bomb on stage is like, you're of course rooting for them, you want them to do well, but at a certain point you're like, man, maybe this set's going to be over really soon, and the next person's going to come up, and it's going to be funny, and that's going to be great. Um, If someone really bombs... Or doesn't do very well, just in general. Like, right before I go on stage. I love that because it's my chance to, like, shine, I
0: feel like. a glass of water after a handful of salt. Yes, right, right, stuff like that, yeah.
1: And uh, I... Which is weird because most I think most people would say they like getting on stage after a comedian does really well because the crowd is, like, quote-unquote, hot. Like, they're ready to laugh at anything. But I love that feeling of, like, that break from... The comedian right before me who just didn't do very well, to me, is kind of that reset that I was talking about where, like, you know, you take a break, you have some hope, maybe this next guy's gonna be okay. funny, and then... Yeah, like the bar is so low, so it's like you can you, you can exceed it, and hopefully you blow right by it and have a great set, but... Um, yeah, I think it, I get stressed when the person before me had did really well. And I'm like, I got to maintain this bar now. And it's really hard. Yeah. And, um, My parents yeah. had that.
0: They went to see um, Tracy Morgan. Oh, yeah. And that was when we were still in St. Louis. Yeah. And they were saying that the the guy that went on before him just killed. Like, he was hilarious. And yeah. then Tracy Morgan came on. And he was, like, so dirty and so inappropriate that it yeah. was almost, like, uncomfortable.
1: Right. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, gosh. And I've been grateful to go to the shows I have gone to here in Voice because the producers of the shows know how to structure the show so that the comedians on that show are kind of, like, fitting for each other. Or, like, like they're not uh, crazy dirty, and then it's crazy clean and crazy dirty. Like, I've the shows I've been to have felt like the comedians kind of can fit within a similar category, and that's really nice because... Yeah. I've done shows before where, back in my college town, when I was doing stand up, uh, there was a there was a guy there who was like polar opposite from me. Like I'm pretty clean cut when it comes to comedy. I just like keeping it simple, keeping it as accessible as possible. Uh, and he is r-rated if not x like at all times and somehow for some reason whoever produced that show which i can't remember who it was which is good put him on like right before me and i invited like so many friends to come see my set and like some family too and that poor guy got no laughs whatsoever because that crowd was much more like in tune with like a clean comedian. Okay. Yeah. They were expecting you. Yeah. Yeah. So they got on or er, when, when he went on stage, it was just like, what? Like everyone in the crowd was just like so floored, but he would do really well at a crowd that was catering or like f- hoping for like a dirty comedian. Like he would, that's his crowd. So anyways. Um, yeah. I appreciate when there's some like pattern to the comedians on a show.
0: That makes sense. Yeah. So, yeah did you make like a conscious decision to be cleaned or did you yeah how did that yeah a little bit i
1: i found like that's who i am a little bit like um pretty clean cut guy so i i didn't want to write out of character like i want to go on stage and kind of just be myself and talk about the things that i think about and want to talk about and uh it's hard to like have this personality and then try and go on stage and do something different like it it just doesn't fit very well so first of all it was more natural and second yeah like it was it's just more accessible like i could get booked more places i can i can be more places like um and i've i think when you start to get dirtier it gets a lot easier to do comedy that's just shock value like it's funny because this is really gross or it's funny because I cuss a lot. And I, I don't know, like maybe I shouldn't look down on that, but in my head, it always has felt just like cheaper. Like I want to do stuff that's like genuinely funny. Like I think in that handbook I talked about from the very beginning, like that my siblings gave my dad about how to be funny. This comedian was talking about like one of his key tips was like, if you, if your punchline is a cuss word, it's not really a joke. Like, if you're... I wish I could come up with an example off the spot,
0: but like... Like Cat Williams?
1: I don't know. I don't Do you ever know if, listen
0: to him? No. Uh, um, he's definitely that weird where it's like... I don't know. I think he's from Atlanta, I think. And he yeah. kind of has like that, that you know, kind of rapperish feel to it. Okay, yeah. Where it's so many like N and F-bombs. Uh-huh. Where it's like, that's kind of... I mean, it's his thing, right? It's, yeah. Yeah it's what makes him right unique, right but yeah it is that it's yes. like that's why it's funny is because it's like so far out there yeah yeah which you know like I said I, maybe I shouldn't like
1: put that down so much because there's people that laugh at that but like if your joke is like my mom called me in the middle of the night and I was like what the F like my punchline is just what the F like it's only f- f- or <laughs> I just, it just struggle. I just like, there's no joke there. Like, it's just funny because you said a cuss word and you weren't supposed to, or something. Like, yeah, yeah. like I, I want some meat. I want some. Like, give me something. Like, that's actually like a an expectation and a and a reversal or something. You know, yeah. give me something.
0: John Mulaney walks that line pretty well. Where yeah, his punchline is funny without the cuss word. Yes, but when he throws yes. it in, it adds to it. Exactly
1: what I was thinking. Yes. John Mulaney is great at that. And he'll even, like, he'll he'll have cuss words, like, in his, like, premises sometimes. And I, like, when he uses it, it's really intentional and really, like, it really amplifies that moment. But it, the joke would still exist without it. And right. I think that's really key. I never yeah.
0: noticed that until now. But I'm thinking about that special he did. It's, it's on Netflix. I don't know if it's a Netflix special. But I think it was the New York City... Where he's on, like, this big, elegant stage. Okay, yeah. But that's the one that keeps coming to mind, where he, like, he almost uses the cuss words to keep you engaged while he's setting up the punchline. Yeah, line.
1: yeah. And there's, like, a tool, there's a, it's a tool. I think that's probably the best way to describe it, yeah. Like, but when your tool becomes, you know, your punchline, then it just, it just cheapens it for me. Like, it's, I think cuss words can be a great tool, but, and that assist you in helping you get more laughs, but um. Yeah, you got to have a joke there that's gonna stand on its own, you know. Before yeah. you want to toss in some cuss
0: words, I think. Is there any topics that you purposely avoid? Do you not talk about politics or whatever?
1: Not like, m- not intentionally, really. Like politics, like I just am not extremely politically engaged, um, and I, I want something funny enough and important enough to me to be able to make a joke about it like um i wish i had a good example like yeah there's just there's only like a handful of things i think i get like really on my soapbox about and i want to make sure if i'm going to get on my soapbox i can also make people laugh about it like Mm -hmm. i don't want to just go up there and just spew something random um
0: but you're pretty charismatic like on easter when you were showing us that game, like <laughs> yeah. I had, I had, like I met you, but we hadn't talked yeah. yet. And then you stood up in front of everybody and I, <laughs> I went to my mom, I was like, what does he do? Like, he's way too comfortable being the center of attention. <laughs> and that's when she was like, yeah, I think he does stand up. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, okay. You would
1: know, which stand up definitely helps you get a lot more comfortable. I was with like, that, is yeah. this like a theater major? Yeah. <laughs> right. like, yeah. What's going on? <laughs> yeah. Um. No, no theater major, yeah. but... Uh,
0: so that makes sense that you were, like, you followed some kind of path along those lines. Because you, you are really comfortable, like, in front of people.
1: Yeah, yeah. And I did, like, improv in high school a little bit, and improv in college. And that'll get you really comfortable with being quick-witted, being confident in what you're going to say. Even if, you know, it might tank. <laughs> it might be yeah. really stupid. Um, yeah, improv is a hugely helpful tool for stand-up. Yeah,
0: we went to an improv show. Uh, my aunt and uncle took us. They take us every year to do something instead mm-hmm. of giving us a Christmas present. Nice, so That's that really was cool. yeah. So that was it. One year we went to improv. It was so good. Nice. Yeah, it's fun because improv
1: can be the worst thing you've ever seen in your entire life, which is kind of like a fun experience.
0: <laughs> it, <laughs> it is was like a cause show. It's funny in itself.
1: <laughs> <laughs> There's a show that Marin and I saw in Denver. Like, f-
0: f- f- when was that?
1: four years ago that we'll still reference to this day because it was like a half hour, 45 minute long, like long form improv, and it was the one of the least funny things I've ever seen. And it was so funny to have gone to that. (laughs) (laughs) Just watch someone
0: bomb. Yeah, yeah, yeah.
1: (laughs) Just like we we just think about all the time. Like, what like what was that? That was so weird. Um and uh but then improv can be great and like so uh such a spectacle too like you're watching someone who's so good at something which is fun in and of itself but then that thing that they're good at is making you laugh and like that's really cool like you could watch someone like blow glass or something and be like wow that is really neat but if they were like entertaining you at the same time or like it's directly catered to you it's just so neat um i would go to a lot i would go to a lot of improv shows in high school there was a improv theater and it was like five bucks and i was like this is so cool and yeah like you start to pick out your favorite people on the cast and like um it's just so fun man like it, it is such a good time so it's so fun and it helps you like learning how to be comfortable with sucking is such an important part of comedy in general and you're gonna suck a whole lot of improv before you make people laugh and then it helps you when you're doing comedy stand up and you're trying, and you still suck, and, you, and you're and you like, okay, no, I mean, I'm okay with this, and that's okay, and we're just going to keep working on it, so.
0: Have you ever traveled for a gig? Um,
1: I, let's see, not beyond, like, a couple hours,
0: I think, okay. yeah, yeah. So all pretty similar to, like, the Boise, well, like, once you moved here, obviously, yeah. Iowa is different than Boise, but. Yeah. So all the crowds that you've done here are pretty similar. Um, like, in terms of their demographic?
1: Um, yeah, more or less. It's interesting, though. I think, like, there's not a consistent crowd that comes to the Thursday mics, and it makes it kind of fun because some crowds are more into dirty stuff. So, as a cleaner guy, i got to figure out how to make them laugh without, you know... I don't have dirty jokes, really, so i got to figure out what I can do to make them laugh. Some crowds are really into clean stuff, so it's like, great, I can really cater to these guys, and it's going to be really fun. Some crowds are, like, tired and and out of it, so it's like, how do I freaking wake you guys up? And um, some crowds are, like, really chatty, and you got to figure out how to get them to shut up and listen to you. Yeah, so it's not consistent, but it's fun to...
0: But the, the fact challenge. that you can notice that kind of stuff is a good sign.
1: Yeah, that's true. Yeah, and you got to you've got to be very aware of that otherwise you're going to go up and you're kind of talking to no one, you know, like you're just spewing stuff. So, um yeah, it's always a fun challenge to figure out what the crowd's going to be like, I think.
0: Do you ever listen to the Rogan podcast? Little, yeah, I watch clips a lot. Okay. Yeah. I, I like some of the ones where he has comedians on, but it, that gets a little repetitive too. Mm-hmm. But um He's talked a lot about how when he was starting out, one of the biggest realizations he had was that he has to say jokes that he thinks are funny. Yeah. And then that helped, like, yeah. kind of, that was a big breaking point for him. Do you think yes. that's true? I've had that
1: same realization. And yeah. maybe it was like, I think maybe I've heard it from other people too, but it, it hit home for me. and it And it made comedy more fun. Like, there was, I forgot to kind of say this, but so I had like 45 minutes of material that I was like pretty confident in before COVID hit. And then after COVID and I took a good, it was like two and a half years before I started doing stand up again, I would like, I looked back at my jokes and probably like two thirds of them, at least I was like, I don't know if I like these jokes. Like I just don't personally laugh at them or I don't like, I don't want to tell them again. Like I just, they don't ring true for me anymore or something. And, uh, it was a cool growth moment because I was reaffirmed in this idea of, like, I need to like the stuff that I'm saying. And I want to be, like, proud of the stuff I'm saying. Like, an example is I had a lot of jokes about my mom. And my mom was always cool with it and always has been. But a lot of them were even just, like, made up. Like, I would just tell jokes. Like, I needed a character, you know, in my joke. Um, and uh, my mom became this character in my in my comedy of this oblivious kind of uh, naive person and my mom is not that so i would watch my old sets and i was like i just don't want to make this caricature out of my mom anymore like it wasn't even for her she didn't care but i just was like i would rather do stuff that i like doing and i think is funny
0: yeah and stop guessing what people are gonna think is funny well part of it is kind of
1: guessing what people think is funny but at the very least like if you go up there and you have a good time on stage it's gonna come across to the people in some way oh, or another yeah. yeah some some of the most random memorable comedians i've seen go up on stage and they're having the time of their life and some of the stuff they're saying isn't even that funny but it's fun to watch them have fun like i have remember a set from forever ago back in des moines of this guy who was who was talking about he was like thinking about what if his hands were like three feet long and just massive and what if he was driving and his hands were outside of the car like scraping along the road
0: and he was what kind of trip to this making the joke on it was crazy and
1: he was telling this joke and like dying like he thought it was the funniest thing and he wasn't on drugs like he literally was just like thought that this idea was so funny and it wasn't a funny joke but it was really funny to watch him and it was so funny how much he loved this idea like (laughs) It was great. So I try to incorporate a little bit of that every time I'm on stage. I want people to watch me and, and see me having fun too, because that makes it more fun for them.
0: I think. Yeah. That makes sense. Yeah. What else do you have going on besides comedy? Yeah. Well,
1: a, a lot of different things. I think, um, I've got my own media production company. Um, just getting off the ground right now. I've done a lot of wedding videos, um, film, film for weddings and other side gigs too. Like, Actually, the comedy scene here, um, the main people who put on a lot of shows, they're called Blue City Comedy, have been hiring me out quite a bit to film their shows and then make, like, social media reels for them, which has been really cool. Um, so, yeah, side gigs relating to media stuff. I run a couple social media accounts for different businesses. Um, I edit a podcast. Um, that's really cool. Um, yeah. I like to keep a lot of different interests and I kind of like to keep my plate full and full variety. So
0: yeah. Comedy is another fun thing to add on to that. So those reels are hard to make. Yeah. So I've done, I've done, this is my eighth podcast and I've done one reel, Yeah, but I don't do video. Right. So I had yeah. to like crop all these pictures together, like a montage. Yeah. And it took like, I mean, I was at it for a couple hours, yes. and it's, like, this 30-second thing. Right. Like, <laughs> so, okay. That's... So, at this point, I'm like, they're either going to listen to the podcast or
1: they're not. Yes, yeah. Well, that's the whole, like, that's video production in general. It's, like, I'm trying to figure out, right now, for every minute of a video that I create, whatever it could be, like, for every minute, that long that video is, I probably spent three hours on it. Something like that is probably an average ratio. So if that if I make a ten minute video for something, whether it's a, a wedding video or I don't know, <laughs> anything else, I maybe spent thirty hours on that. That's so, crazy. Yeah. So equivalent that to a one minute reel, you know, sometimes this is this isn't I'll get into this, but like it could take, you know, three hours or like you said, for your case, it took a couple hours. Like I thankfully have gotten done enough reels for this podcast and for blue city comedy that i've gotten down to pretty good science and i know how to like i know my video editing software pretty well now and yeah can make it pretty snappy but dude yeah if you don't have the knowledge to get into it it's It's it can be hard yeah
0: it it was so time consuming yeah and then yeah i didn't want to put any more money into it so i was like trying to find free ones yeah it's like oh man it wasn't worth it at all No. yeah What's the, what's the podcast that you edit for?
1: Yeah, I edit a podcast called The Simpleton Podcast. I used to be a uh, Christian missionary, which it, it was, I say that always with like a qualification, which was because like, it was a lot more social work than it was what you might think of Christian missionary stuff. It was a lot of like going to meet people living in homeless camps and seeing what we could do to help them in any regard. okay. Um, it was awesome. It was so fun. And so that, that organization is called a simple house and they, the people who, the founder of simple house and then one of his close friends who has been involved with it for a long time run the simpleton podcast. So it's a Christian podcast and they talk about a lot about Christianity as it relates to things going on in the world right now, whether it's politics or cultural events or something. Um, But yeah, I find it really fascinating. If you check it out, you'll hear me in an episode every now and then because I have to Give a little bit extra context to stuff they say
0: or oh, okay. add a little footnote here. And Hook there, me up with them. I'll invite them on this one. Yeah? Yeah. <laughs> Be sweet. <laughs> and then yeah. what's the – so you – for the comedy one, mm-hmm. do you just edit for the club and then that's on the club's social media? Or who do you edit for?
1: Yeah, so we don't have a, a dedicated comedy – well, there's a couple – Comedy venues here in Boise, but I don't know if, I don't know if technically they're called clubs, but, um, where I, every single, sorry, the mic, every single comedy thing I've done, I think, has been at Mad Swede Brew Hall, which is downtown, but they basically have, like, a mini comedy club in there, it's so cool, um, and, so I go to film there, but there's a production company called Blue City Comedy, and they run all of the events, Almost all of the comedy events that happen at Mad Sweet. So, okay, Blue, Slee- Blue City hires me out to film for them. So I show up to Mad Sweet and I film, and then I go home and cut up reels for comedians and make everyone's set look really pretty. And I, you know, I get audio right from the soundboard and I don't know, try to make it very high quality. It's just cool to provide people with something really high quality like that. So, that is cool. Yeah.
0: Are those reels posted um by the comedians or by Blue City?
1: Yeah, I'm, tr- I'm trying to convince Blue City to post more of them. If they hear this somehow, they should post more of them because they're awesome. And I want I want my fellow comedians to get some love, man. Because um, So basically, I don't know. They post them sometimes and they post them kind of specifically to promote different shows. Like if uh, Tyler Wolf is a comedian here, if Tyler Wolf's on a show... This upcoming weekend they might post one of Tyler's reels, but uh, for the most part I've given them probably 30, 40 reels at this point, and they they probably posted four or five. And I'm like,
0: dude, put those a lot out of, there, man! A lot you of got hours and wasted reels. Right there. <laughs> but I get paid, so that's pretty cool. <laughs> <laughs> you I just get money whether not, whether they post them or not. Yeah. Oh, yeah. that's
1: nice. Yeah, they just pay me straight up for that. So. Um, so sometimes Blue City will post them, and then but I've seen a couple comedians post their individual reels. I don't know how they. I think Blue City gives them out to those guys after they post them. But oh, okay, yeah, that makes sense. Yeah, but I put add captions. I kind of do a little multicam thing. I'll show you after this. It's pretty cool. Yeah, sounds good. It.
0: Yeah, <laughs> this is when I need like the projector, so we can just have it yeah. pulled up. <laughs> so Blue Blue City is on social media, so they're on yeah. Instagram and stuff. Yeah, okay. Blue City Comedy. Um, here's yeah. the plug go yeah. follow them. that's right yep um, yeah I was ever, gonna do you have a guilty pleasure comedy like I don't know maybe a comedian or like a genre comedy that you listen to but you'd never do
1: oh that's a great question yes I love alt comedy which is a weird difficult category to kind of describe but it's kind of just like weirdos doing comedy you ever heard of uh, Joe Para don't do you know who so. that is he is like a 30 year old guy that basically plays the character of like an 80 year old man um, <laughs> it is so it is wholesome and so funny like he'll have like a 10 minute bit about him going to the park and feeding a squirrel and all the different foods that he tried to feed the squirrel <laughs> and it's like so dumb and so funny at the same time He's got some stuff on YouTube that is hilarious he has like a joke about the Buffalo Bills and how they suck and why he thinks they suck. And like, it's all about the Buffalo Bills are actually too wholesome for everyone. Like they purposely throw the games because they want to go home and spend time with their families and stuff like that (laughs) or something like that. It's so dumb and great. Anyways. um, That's pretty funny. Actually. One of my new comedians I'm really into who's coming to Boise. uh, Mm -hmm. One of the comedians here in, in Boise booked him uh his name's Casey Rocket and uh, he is like the manifestation of like being on meth <laughs> and doing comedy like he's kind of just like spewing stuff all the time and he's like he's pacing the stage the whole time and i've seen interviews he like used to be on drugs and isn't anymore so you almost get this feeling of like he took all of his druggy habits uh and kind of uh, personality traits and turn them into comedy and made it a really healthy thing. And um, but he's not on drugs anymore. It's so funny. We up going? Casey Rocket? Would you say? Are you gonna go? I don't go know. Ahead. I need to talk to Barrett about it. We need to get some tickets, probably. Yeah. yeah. Where is it? <laughs> um, I think it's like the Voodoo Cellar, which is a new comedy not club, but it's a new venue, venue that's hosting comedy stuff.
0: Yeah. Boise needs some more concert venues.
1: Yes. Yes, it's they do. Bad. Yeah. I've been to the Knitting Factory. Knitting Factory is awesome. At least yeah. my experiences there have been great. Um, that's where we saw Joe Pera. He came to Boise back oh, okay. in the fall. But, uh,
0: but yeah. He, the Knitting Factory is cool, but even that one has... It's like bad acoustics in there. Yeah. It's like, it's a, just a huge room. Yes,
1: right. It's not a great comedy venue. I no. love a comedy venue that's, like, really crammed and intimate and, like, low ceilings. and <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> I think... Uh, Dimitri Martin's another one of my favorite comedians. I don't know if you've heard of Dimitri Martin, but Um, he's got all these great one-liners. And I think that in one of his albums, he talks about his favorite rooms for doing comedy are the rooms that would be the worst in a fire. Like, Uh, one one door, sweaty, like, dark. (laughs) Uh, Everyone's crammed together. And it's true. It's like you kind of want that, like, tight, like just a room that's like really intimate, but uh yeah. I don't there's not many here in Boise.
0: We went to a concert like that. It was um me and my dad and then my friend from the high school in my hometown. Yeah. But we went and saw this band that was they were pretty big at the time, but not anymore, called New Politics. Okay, yeah. And we saw them in this this place called the Ready Room. And I mean the ceiling was probably like shorter than the one in here. And I mean, it was it was just one long rectangular room, and nice. there's like 250 people there. That was awesome, man. <laughs> it was ridiculous. Man. That it was awesome. Really cool. It was a pretty high-energy show. That's, that'd be a great comedy venue right yeah. there. It really would. <laughs> yeah. Your sound would just blast directly back at you. Yes. Yes. <laughs> um,
1: so, yeah. I, oh, I wanted to say one more thing about all comedians, because... Oh, yeah. Yeah, I, I've I've like, I write jokes sometimes where I'm like I think this is a funny joke, but it doesn't fit my my personality or like being on. Like, oh, oh oh, I've written dirty jokes, but I'm just like I. It's hard to go up and do ten minutes of clean jokes and toss in a dirty joke in there. Like, even if the dirty joke is funny, the crowd isn't really expecting you to do it. So, like, it, I don't think it fits very well. I just I've got different ex- examples of this, but like, um, anyways. So I have these outlier jokes and I have enough of them that at one point I I think I could come up with a good enough like all set where for instance one of my bits I I've done before, which I thought was really stupid, but it was kinda of funny, is like I go up on stage and uh something that is very common is you go up on stage and you grab the mic and then you move the mic stand off to the side and uh and then you go stand in the center of the stage. So I would take the mic and I'd go move the mic stand off to the side and I'd go to the center of the stage and then I'd be like, Oh shoot, sorry. That's kind of probably in the way I'd go get the mic stand and i would like move it farther away. And I'd be like, oh, that's, you guys probably can't see that. And I'd go grab the mic stand again and move it farther away. And then just keep going back and forth and back and forth. And until I moved the mic stand literally to the back of the room and, uh, I only did this one time, and it was, like, really stupid, and it got some laughs, laughs, but it was, like, just such a stupid alt thing to do, and I would love to make a set that's all, like, dumb stuff like that, like... Just to see? Yes, yeah, right. Just to see what would happen. It'd be fun to... I think a fun exercise to write in a different personality, but not, like, I don't want to do... I don't want to perform in a different personality all the time. I just... It's hard to write stuff like that,
0: so... Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah, That would be awesome, though. It would yeah. probably depends so much on your crowd. Yeah, true. Like, one night it would completely bomb, and then another night it might actually do pretty well. Yeah.
1: Yeah, that's the thing, is you can, at least for, like, I saw, like, Casey Rocket, because I binged all of his stuff that he has on YouTube. But you go back and watch some of his earlier stuff, and he's doing some of the same meth head movements that he's doing in his most recent stuff, but the crowd is like, what? Is this guy doing? Like what is he like they do not get it? And other crowds are like, this is the funniest guy I've ever seen. It was that's like my opinion, but (laughs) um as well. But yeah, like a crowd can just be completely like thrown off by it. So you gotta have the right crowd for a good halt set, yeah. I
0: think that yeah, that would even just depend on my mood, honestly. Right. Like one night I'd probably crack up at that. Yeah. And then the next night I'd be like, Do you guys want to see some comedy? Yes, yeah. you don't want to have to think
1: or buy into someone's set is probably the right way to phrase it yeah. that's probably true
0: yeah do you ever did you ever want to be like an actor um I don't know
1: I don't <laughs> I said that like you were like about to offer me an opportunity like <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah I'm I don't know. This See what she's, what kind of offer can you put out there? No, um, (laughs) no, I don't. Not a good one. (laughs) (laughs) I did one play in college and that's my only time I've ever acted and it was fine. I was like, it's kind of fun, but no, I don't think so. I like this. I like performing. I like being in front of people, but, um, I don't know. Acting or theater has never been a massive interest of mine to like participate in or something.
0: It's a lot less like personal
1: yeah 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 i think that's part of it it's not your personality coming out yeah yeah you're you're trying to fit a role yeah that's a really good way to put it yeah um thought i had an extra point on that but i can't remember um oh acting in like theater is is it's interesting thinking about it in relation to stand-up because like stand-up was something i watched and i was like I can do this and I want to try and do it versus like theater. Like I loved going to the plays that Loras college where I went to school would put on. Like I loved going to it, but I didn't have any really desire to like be a part of the play. Like, yeah, it's cool to have different mediums that you're really interested in. And then some of those mediums you're like, dude, I could, I'm interested in this and I want to try it out. And it's kind of fun to, yeah, have different interests and, pursue some of them and some of them are just remaining as interests I guess you know
0: yeah so are you going to take the moving opportunity to I don't know because if you're known for something in Boise and like you have this like other comedians kind of have this kind of have a reputation I guess is what I'm saying as a comedian yeah are you going to reset it when you move (laughs) I've thought about this like you totally could you absolutely could
1: Um, I had that opportunity coming to Boise I'd be like man I could do something totally different and weird Mm -hmm. um i don't think i'll do it like i said it's just harder like i only have a few jokes of a weird different personality that i think i could try out and that would work but uh yeah i'd rather i have so much more stuff i'd rather try as ben rather than i always thought if i did an alt set i would just call it fen fen breedman
0: instead of ben friedman just like
1: very like this is obviously a reversal of what ben usually does and I don't know.
0: <laughs> how do you go about recording? Like if you wanted to record a comedy album, how do you even ooh, how do you even start that?
1: Yeah. I don't think it's as hard as people would think. I'm, that's also coming from a guy who's been doing like video production and audio recording and stuff for four or five years. So maybe so you I've could almost some... do
0: it yourself. Oh yeah.
1: Yeah. My senior project in college, like for my video production degree basically got all sorts of screwed up because of COVID. And at one point, like right in that first week of COVID, when we were all like, maybe this will come back in a couple of weeks. Like we'll be all back at school because my main project got screwed up so bad. I was going to do a live comedy recording as my final project. I was just going to hire a couple friends to man some cameras and then edit it all together and call it my final project. Like you need what you need, a couple cameras, which aren't the most expensive things in the world. And, uh, like you want a couple decent ones, but, um, I don't know, seven, 800 bucks can get you a really nice, great camera. That's what I film like all my video production stuff on. You want a couple, like you could do even two mics. You could do one recording your microphone, you know, like whatever you're speaking to the microphone and another microphone recording the crowd. Just you put it, you could put it literally on the stage, at the front of the stage. So it captures all that crowd noise. Um, and then you edit it together, so it's just mixing and matching and cutting between different cameras, and you could make yourself a comedy album. Like,
0: you ever think about doing it?
1: I I would love to. I would really love to, even as just like a personal passion project. Like, I it's after my reset from COVID, it's hard to, for me to think about how much comedy I have, like right now that's good to go that I could like just do and that would get laughs that I'm really comfortable with. Um, but. At a certain point, if I got up to 45 minutes or an hour, I would really like to do it. Because then it's also exciting to, like, do it, shelve it, and work on new stuff. And, like, just keep writing. Because I think uh, that's so much of the joy of stand-up is continually coming up with new things. So,
0: Did you ever try to get away with not writing your stuff down?
1: Yeah. Oh, yeah. And it's a fun challenge. It Like, you're talking, like, just go up on stage and try something? Yeah. 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 Um, it's part that can be a good helpful thing like if you have a premise that you think is funny like oh, i'm trying to give a good example i'll just a premise of one of my jokes that i've written but a premise that was like i think like the t-shirt canon is a funny idea it's a funny invention so to go up on stage and try and talk about the t-shirt canon like in the moment like what are you going to say like you could just you know how weird it is. You know, you go through the quite like who, what, when, where, why is always a great starting point to make a joke. Like make up a story about who made the t-shirt cannon. Why was it made? Is a great question. Like, how was it made? Like, what's, was there a funny story that you can come up with about how it was made? Like, um, and see what you can do. can be a fun challenge more often than not. You're probably going to bomb because it's going to be difficult for you to come up with something really polished on the spot. But, um, A fun thing that happens here in Boise is, and around, there's different shows too, but there's a show that is put on called The Riff, which is this idea, it's kind of like a mix of stand-up and improv, and the comedians get a topic, like, they don't prepare anything before they're set, and they're on stage for 10 minutes, and the crowd, I think the crowd before the
0: show puts in a bunch of topics in, like, a bowl, and the comedians have to pick it out. That's actually awesome. Yeah. That's kind of like um, some rappers will do that when they freestyle. Yeah. They'll yeah. have like a guy shout out a word and then that's what they have to rhyme off yes. of. Yes. Yeah. That's tough. It's
1: crazy. It's really hard. But the, it's, it's kind of fun because the crowd is more willing to laugh in some ways because they know you're like just improv and trying your best. So, yeah, yeah, it's kind of a whole group effort and they kind of are already on your side. You don't have to win them to
0: get on your side. Yeah, it's fun. That would be tough, though. Yes. <laughs> off the cuff. Oh, it's really hard, yeah. And then, yeah, because that really kind of, um, like, puts in bold how long it takes to write comedy. Like, people yeah. don't realize how long 15 minutes is. Yeah, oh when my you're gosh. are just off the cuff. Like, yeah. Like, a few minutes is a long time. Yeah,
1: yeah. I mean, I could do a better job of, like, sitting down and trying to write jokes, but for the most part, my writing process is, like... I have a note on my phone where anything that really makes me laugh or I think that I could, I could I could turn into a joke someday, I just write it down and then every week I'll go and sit down with it for just a little bit and see what I can make into a joke. Like, yeah, another, yeah, just t-shirt cannon. I can write down t-shirt cannon and then, you know, could type out who, what, where, why and think it through and brainstorm. And you could do all that, get on stage and it doesn't work and then you've, you know, quote unquote, lost however much time you just put into that, you know, and you have zero minutes of salvageable material to gain from that. I mean, not exactly as you can, you know, try it again, of course, but like, at a certain point, you might do a good enough job to add one minute to your category of jokes that work, you know, at at certain, after hours of trying, it could be, you know, so like, to get to 15 minutes can take years, you know,
0: right kind of based on coming off of that how how many times do you let a joke bomb before you cut it ooh nice probably
1: twice mostly And bomb is a scale, you know? Like, if it just gets no laughs whatsoever, it might even be one time. And I'm like, nah, I'm not doing this again. (laughs) It's so stupid. Like, sometimes you go up there with a joke when you're like, this might
0: not work, but I'm just going to, I have to try it. See if it'll do. Does that hit you on stage? Like, when you say the joke and no one laughs, (laughs) you, like, consciously think, I'm never doing that again. Yeah, for sure. (laughs) Yeah.
1: If not on the stage, right after you get off the stage. If not, both. (laughs) In the moment, right after the moment. All night
0: <laughs> to the next day. Um, is Marin pretty upfront with you? Will she tell you like, "Hey, yeah. that sucked"?
1: Yeah, which is so helpful. It would be really yeah. bad if she was just so supportive. All she is so supportive. It'd be very bad if she was positive all the time. Yeah, because she's like the funniest. Like I think she's one of the funniest people I've ever met. So like I trust her her comedy sense so much, and she's her and I have very similar senses of humor. But it's partly, yeah, like I said, how do I get what's funny in my head to be funny to you? And uh if I'm not getting that message across, either I scrap it or I need to try it again differently. And if I try it again differently and it still doesn't work, then maybe I just scrap it all together
0: and uh that's that. that. So. Is there some awkward car rides home after you suck? It was always like that. When, <laughs> when we were playing baseball. Yeah. you go like <laughs> 0 for 4 with three yeah. on And it's like, yeah, I'm going to ride home with mom. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> you know, <my> dad. Yeah. <laughs> yeah.
1: No, I totally had those sports moments, but thankfully nothing too awkward for comedy. Yeah. <laughs> Mary, we're just, she's just so straight up. Just be like... <laughs> I remember I was I was like I practiced with her I like you know I'll be like okay let me tell you my jokes I just want to hear if you have any revisions or something and uh, I told her like when I was practicing one time I was like this joke probably won't work very well but and it's not very funny but I'm gonna try it and uh, after the set she was like what'd you think and I was like it was okay and she was like yeah well you said that one joke wasn't gonna be very funny and it wasn't so. You got what you thought. So it's like, there we go. Yeah. But you're exactly right. Like That's awesome. That's exactly what you need though. I mean she said it with love. <laughs> if she watches this back. But uh...
0: That's pretty good. So where can where can people find you and your Because you said you're starting your own company now, yeah. right? So yep. where can people find it online? Do you yeah. have social media pages for it?
1: Yeah. So okay. My personal Instagram, I'm, trying to, I'm going to start trying to post more media stuff I'm working on, is underscore Ben underscore Friedman. I've been trying to secure Ben underscore Friedman for a long time, but uh, whoever has it won't budge. So, um, Okay, my wedding videography account, where I post a lot of wedding stuff, which has been up and running for a while, is Ben Shoots Weddings. And my production company is called Totus Media, T-O-T-U-S, media. And my Instagram, I think, is totismedia.co, which is my website as well. You should check out my website. It's brand new, it's almost done. Um, I'm just working on one little video to put on the front page, which hopefully should be done by the time this podcast comes out. And uh, yeah, come follow my stuff.
0: Where did the name TOTUS come from?
1: Uh, TOTUS, uh, it came from. I'm um, Catholic, and it's a, there's a Catholic phrase uh, called TOTUS TUIS, which means all yours. But TOTUS also, or TOTUS means all, totally, completely. Okay. So it's kind of also a homage to total media. I do video production, audio stuff, podcasts, okay. social media management, but you name it. So, Sounds yeah.
0: Good. Is there anything else you want to bring up while you're on the um, podcast? Man.
1: Yeah. Two more hours of stuff would be great. No. That's uh, fine. <laughs> gotta, I'm not doing anything. <laughs> um, nah, man keep listening to the qw podcast it's great check out travis's interview check
0: out the other ones one with travis was pretty solid yeah but dude just getting like moving from my parents shed to actually like this is kind of half my bedroom yeah but to have like (laughs) a room dedicated to recording is really cool it's so cool yeah this has been a pretty pretty big step but the the next step is to get a blue rug in here oh yeah because yeah it matches yeah Yeah, because the podcast logo is red and blue. Yeah. And then I feel like there's a lot of black, right? Because half the sound panels are black, and the chairs are black, and the microphones are black. Yeah. It's like, we need some color in here. Yeah.
1: It's nice, though. This pattern is it's, it's very nice. I feel like I'm in a very professional
0: studio. I so. <laughs> appreciate it. Yeah. Much more so than the shed. Do people, I'd have people on the podcast, and they'd come out to the shed and just laugh. No! <laughs> it's like, damn. Messed up, man. I thought it was kind of cool. <laughs> it sounded like garbage in there, though. It was so bad. So hopefully hopefully the sound on this one is better. Nice. Fingers crossed. Yeah. But yeah. I think that's all, that's that's all, all I got. I've got. Thanks uh, for having me, Quinn. Thanks it's a been lot. it blast. Absolutely.